1: Welcome to the Screen the Screener College Basketball
0: Podcast with your hosts Mike Randall and Gus Kearns. College basketball season turns to the Thanksgiving week, which means my partner Gus a lot of tournaments, a lot of fun, a lot of battles. Here we go. How you doing?
1: You know what, it always feels like that the Thanksgiving weekend is a little bit of a homecoming for everybody, right? You get to catch up with your family, you get to catch up with some old friends. If you're, you know, of college age, you're you're so happy to recapture a couple of moments with your your high school buddies and then trade stories from your, you know, college escapades. But really, like this just starts revving up college basketball season for all of the college basketball vagabonds out there. So, I'm excited. Although, I think we have to start with something that everybody is a little bit down about. Yep. Is this, is this
0: right? Yep, started today, Michael Porter uh, Jr. Yeah is out for the season with surgery for a back injury, Gus. Just devastating. He came to Missouri, put Missouri back on the map. His brother reclassified. The father's an assistant coach, and unfortunately, he ended up playing, what, two minutes? That's what it was, and he's out for the remainder of the season.
1: Now, a couple of things here. Number one, you kind of loved how all the stars were aligned for Missouri here. The the dad is on the coaching staff. Um, His brother reclassifies Uh, So you had like this, this like kind of family affair where everybody was invested. Everybody was invested just for this one particular year. You knew this was going to be a one and done situation. And and you knew that uh, Michael Porter Jr. was going to be out after this. So this was it. This was the package that we were getting. And now we're all robbed of that. And, uh, and, and, you know, we're gonna lift the curtain here a tiny bit. Listeners, Mike and I both have like at our, in our lives, have both had like enormous back problems, nothing that has required surgery. But we have had problems where, you know, we've been, we've had to sit out of work. We've had to like, you know, take a knee. We've had to, you know, get regrouped on multiple fronts, and it's still something that we're dealing with in our very lives. So the fact that he has to had surgery, and you know, this sounded fishy from the beginning because you didn't know if it was a leg, you didn't know if it was a hip. It, It seemed like there was a lot of uncertainty on the way that they were classifying the injury. When it goes to the back, that that that's like. Oh, that's like the death knell right there. So I feel terrible for him. I feel terrible for Missouri fans. I feel terrible for his family. I feel terrible that they got like this 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 little taste of the, like you mentioned two minutes and one bucket. And now they're you know they don't, that's all they get.
0: The absence of clarity is always a problem. When there's an injury and you don't have absolute clarity and it's vague, it means it's worse than you you really think it is. It's like that. And also, Gus, when people go to see Doctor James Andrews, nothing good ever comes from that. As well, this uh, this is a tough one. But here we go, partner. Should he you know what? To,
1: should he go to the draft or not? Here we go. Okay, so let's start the conversation right now. There's so many ways that we can go this conversation, Mike, because we can bring it into the one and done. What are we gonna do with the incoming freshmen? Do we deny them the opportunity after graduating high school to go earn a living at what their best skill is, which is basketball, and force them to go to a university for one or two or whatever the requirement is now. Right now it's one. Let's steer clear of that conversation and we'll maybe attack that another podcast. And let's just talk about this situation, particularly right now, with the rules that are in place at this particular moment. The rules that are in place at this particular moment require every college basketball uh, student athlete to play one year and then they're eligible for the draft. Guess what? He played two minutes. He's eligible for the draft next year. I can't see any way that he comes back once he is cleared and deemed healthy.
0: It's a mistake. It's, it's a mistake. I agree with you. I agree with right. what you're saying. It is a mistake and here is why. Okay, There's a very famous problem when we were younger. They It's like a, a riddle and it says that there's two computers, one that always <laughs> lies and one that always tells the truth. Behind those computers are two doors, one to heaven, one to hell. I don't know, pick whatever you want. Okay. And the question is, you're only allowed to ask one question to one computer. You don't know which one lies and tells the truth. You don't know which door is heaven or hell. And the question is, what is the one question you can ask that guarantees you know which door is the right one to heaven? And there is a question, folks, and I'm not going to tell it to you today. But I'm going to use that example.
1: I can't wait for you to revisit this conversation later. We'll do
0: it in the next podcast. There is a question, Gus, that you can type in, regardless Mm -hmm. of whether the computer you type into is lying, regardless of whether it tells you the truth. It will then reveal which door you should pick. It's, It's fascinating. Here's the issue. Either Michael Porter Jr. is going to be healthy, and I think it's a very good comparison, or he's not. So let's go through it. Gus, let's suppose that his career is terrible. Let's say that this back injury, when he recovers, robs him of all of his skills. The common theme would be that this person should tell Michael Porter Jr. then to go to the draft, right? Here's my issue, Gus. That's not going to come out in workouts. That's not going to come out. You, You don't think the NBA teams, before giving him millions upon millions of dollars, is going to see if he's the real deal or not, if he's recovered. And if he's not recovered, and he still gets drafted in the first round, right, He's probably only getting one contract if he's not fully recovered. I can't see this back injury being debilitating and him Mm -hmm. just going off what he was doing in high school, the NBA scouts and the NBA doctors not figuring out that his back injury is really, really bad and him getting a four-year $20 million deal. I just don't see that happening. Maybe he gets a, a rookie contract. Maybe he gets a reduced deal. But what happens, Gus, is he gets one contract maybe and then he's out of the NBA and he does need to work again for the rest of his life. We've talked about 19-year-old kids getting $3 million, $4 million. It's not enough to sustain their life. So that's why I think he should go back. If he goes back and he's terrible, he has three years to try to remodel his body, get himself back, figure it out, try to do something. And if he's really good... He goes back and he dominates. I don't see Gus the negative of going back because I don't think they're going to put blindfolds on the people who are drafting Michael Porter Jr. and say, oh, his back's really bad, but we're going to draft him anyway. No, they're not. So if he's good enough, Gus, next year to be a top lottery pick, he should come back and dominate instead of just going to the lottery and his back blows out. He gets one deal. He blows that money in seven years, and he's got to find something else to do anyway. I don't know. Your thoughts?
1: I have four examples for you. We're going to play devil's advocate here. Okay. Example A, Greg Oden. Everybody knew that his health was suspect coming out. He was still the number one pick overall over Kevin Durant, who will end up being one of the top 20 NBA players of all time. He only signed his one contract, got a couple other cup of coffees. After that one contract... People took a risk on him. Example B. Let's just go most recent. Let's go Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons was hurt. He sat out the whole entire year. Now he's back. And he's possibly one of the most impactful players, not only as a rookie, but in the NBA overall. I think you can argue him as a top 25 NBA player overall. Example C. I think you can just look at his teammate and look at Markel Fultz. Markel Fultz is going to take his, like, I don't know, red shirt year, which everybody seems to do for the 76ers. Jury's still out on that one. Example D, perhaps the finest example that we can use, is another another 76er, is Embiid. Embiid comes out with questionable feet, really big health questions, went crazy for 31 games in the NBA and now has gotten paid $148 million. So I think that there are arguments on both sides. There's the Embiid contract, and then there's the Greg Oden uncertainty. And then you can kind of play fortune teller with Ben Simmons and say like, oh, well, that that may work out. All of those guys had injury problems, whether it be their first year or coming out of college. Some worked out great, Indeed, Some were a bust. Yeah, but the Odin, guy,
0: but Gus, with those four, they all played. He hasn't played. Like Odin came, dominated, led Ohio State to the finals. Then, based off of that experience, got a good contract. And by the way, Gus, he's actually with. I don't think it's Jinxu Monkey King, and it maybe it's, it, it's Jinxu. It. He was with the Jinxu Dragons for a year. So he got Ben Simmons, played in college, played very well, maybe not spectacularly well, but very well, okay? Fultz dominated college, at least from a Washington perspective, and Embiid played well in college and now is dominating again. Here's my question. If all four of those players had returned to college— Mm-hmm. would any of them been damaged? I guess you could say Odin wouldn't have gotten the contract, right? right. So, okay, there's one. Simmons probably still would have been drafted high, right? I mean, right. It's a, okay, right. Fultz, I, I mean, he got hurt, but I mean, he was number one know. pick overall. He both was number one pick overall. Right, so right. he drops down a little bit. But my question is, where is Mark Markel's faults five years from now? If he stinks, I guess the uh, what I'm saying is, and Embiid, of course, could come back and dominate. My point is five years from now, Greg Oden is going to be in the exact same spot because he's not going to save his money because they rarely do. All right. And he's going to mm-hmm. be playing in the D League or doing one of these things. Markel Fultz wouldn't have been the number one pick, but Markel Fultz may not be in the NBA in two years, Gus. So the only argument I can hear that I don't agree with, but I think is fair, is he's got to go to get that quick contract because his life could fall apart. Although I want to say this, if his life falls apart and he gets the quick contract, this is not enough to sustain him for the rest of his career. So he's got to find something else to do. I guess he's got to go back to college. But the only argument I can hear going back that's bad is suppose this back injury is debilitating. He doesn't get that initial contract. I guess that's what it comes down to.
1: Yeah. And you know what? The the, the thing is with, with an, all of these players that we're talking about are in the exact same conversation. They're top five draft picks. their top three draft picks. They're 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 in the lottery. They're they're. So the, one of the, I, I I guess like they just want to get their contract clock started. The sooner they get their cl- contract clock started, the sooner they can get to that Russell Westbrook James Harden two hundred million dollar contract situation that's the that that's what they're looking towards that's what all of these players are looking towards it's not like that initial rookie contract where they're going to make 12 million dollars with a with a team option for the fourth year where they're kind of locked in Uh, i'm sure Porzingis will get locked into that they're looking to move their contract clock ahead where they can go ahead and lock in that 200 million dollar contract if they stay with the same team that $220 million contract if they stay with the same team and use their bird rights and have the longevity. That's what they're looking to do. They're not looking to get that initial contract. They're looking another contract down the road. But Gus, so,
0: if he ain't healthy, he get, he's not getting a $200 million contract.
1: Uh, look, totally agreed. But at the same time, if you're Michael Porter, if you're Marvin Bagley, if you're uh, Aiton, if you're uh, Doncic, if you're any of the, if you're Mobamba, if you're any of these guys that are going to be a top five draft pick, you want to come out and get that clock started as soon as possible, because look, we're, we're nobody knows.
0: Even like, even yeah. Gus Gus, even if you're a 19 year old kid. You're not, you're not hanging out with your teammates. You're going home by yourself. Okay. Because Kevin Durant ain't hanging out with you playing Sega. Okay. Or whatever the heck you're playing. You're by yourself. You're you're, you're dating ourselves (laughs) ourselves, big time. You're playing, you're hanging out by yourself. You're not the big man on campus anymore. You don't get, you're going to develop in practice. You're always hurt. You're limping on crutches. You don't have anybody to hang out with. You're traveling from city to city. You're bored. You're depressed. You're not hurt. Is the path to that $200 million contract best served sitting on the bench?
1: Listen, that little picture that you painted right there, I think that's best solved on a college campus. That's not solved on an NBA roster. That little picture that you painted right there, are you telling me that everybody's not going to come give him a high five and while he's on crutches on the bench on a college bench? Absolutely. You think he's going to be involved? You think he's going to be taking some stats down? Like he'll keep track of like hustle stats on his clipboard on the bench while he's hurt? Yeah, 100%. Like that's not going to happen on an NBA roster. So that little picture that you paint right there, I totally agree. That's solvable and that's salvageable on a college campus, on a college bench, not on an NBA roster. On an NBA bench, somewhere in the G League.
0: Well, let me ask you this then. I guess this is what it comes down to. You and I both have the same mentality. We're both glasses half full guys, right? We both have injuries. We say to ourselves, we're going to come back better than ever. That's just our mentality, okay? Assuming he comes back and he's great. Let me say, mm-hmm. this, to, let me say this to you. Assuming he comes back and he's great. Assuming he comes back and I can guarantee you right now he's going to dominate. Couldn't you make an argument he should come back to Missouri, whip everybody's fanny in college basketball, potentially be a top one or two pick, which he is not going to be now. There's way too many other players out there right now. High school mm. play, you know, one, they got freshman guys. To be that high pick, whip everybody's fanny and get that big contract, or do you think maybe it's better served if he's going to dominate, be able to dominate and work with the pros? That's the question.
1: It is the question, and I think it goes back to the thing that we were talking about before, the topic we were talking about before. How soon do you want to start this NBA contract clock? Yeah, that's it. Slash slash health. I that's think there's it. a lot yeah, of moving it. parts to this con- a, a lot of moving parts to this conversation. I, I don't it. think there's one answer here. I, I think it. number one, he's got to come out of surgery and take an evaluation there, health wise, and then that'll, that that decision will be a little bit more. Uh, there'll be a little bit more clarity to that to that situation. Whereas right now, it's full of cloudiness. And like, if you're going to err on one side of uh, you know uh, of the argument. Why not err on the side of the argument where, yeah, somebody's going to take a chance at me at number seven, even though I'm banged up and hurt. Yeah, and I'm fair. still going to bank, you know, $10 million.
0: That's fair. OK, yeah, I get it. Right? I, you know, me, I have a bias. We talked about this with Vicini, Him and I argued the whole thing. Sure, I, I'm banking on him coming back.
1: Oh, it'd be and, great, and, and, if and did.
0: Know, we got, you know, we have, we have family members too, who have battled cancer. They have beat it. I mean, we're just glass half full guys, right? It's just the only way we know right. how to live. I think Porter jr is going to come back and dominate. If he's going to dominate, I feel like he could be a number one or number two pick. If he comes back and whips Missouri, maybe he's a seven, maybe he's a 10, maybe he's an 11 this year. You're right. But that's what it comes down to. When is he going to start that clock? Good point. Well done.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, so I think there's a lot of things that go into the argument. I don't think it's just like a, he should come back or he shouldn't come back. I don't think anything's going to get like totally, you know, I don't think the decision starts to get made and starts to crystallize until he goes into the operating room and he comes out and the doctors tell him uh, this went really well and the first month of rehab went really well and then we can go from there. But until then, like all we're hoping is, look, Michael Porter Jr. Missouri, we're sorry, heal up, get healthy and do everything you can to get yourself back on the up and up and, and heal and get mended up.
0: All right, let's, uh, let's, let's move now to some more positive things. Gus, it's Thanksgiving. I remember last year we did our Thanksgiving pod, right? We talked about what we're thankful for. So certainly there's several things to be thankful for this year at college basketball. Let's just go back and forth, do a little bit what we're thankful for. Yeah, yeah, I have a couple. You have a couple? Yes, I am thankful for the triple beam balance of equity in college basketball, Gus, between the Big Blue Bloods, the Dukes, the Kansas, the Kentucky, the Arizona, the Michigan State, And the mid-majors, those mid-majors that have already arrived and are no longer mid-majors, like your Gonzaga, like your Wichita State, and maybe those guys that are coming around the corner, like a Texas Arlington, like a Grand Canyon. I love the balance. We have a plethora of storylines. That's the first thing that I'm really thankful for this year.
1: I love that you're thankful for the greater, grander picture that is college basketball It's beautiful that there are over 300 teams in this collective sport that participate because of the diversity and the just overall plethora of teams and programs that are in the program uh, that are in the sport. It provides all those storylines. Name one other sport where there's over 300 teams in the league, quote unquote. Yeah, we can't find it. Because of that diversity, it provides us with storyline after storyline, year after year. Equally thankful for that. Uh, First thing I'm thankful for, and I'm just going to be very selfish here, so thankful Joel Berry's back. So thankful that UNC is one of those teams that provides one of those storylines that you mentioned. And they go and play real road games and invite real teams into their gym, not for buy games, that are challenging, i.e. Davidson, i.e. going to Stanford. I know it's on the way to the PK-80, but UNC is one of those teams that keeps it real and gives themselves honest tests early in the season. So I'm thankful that Joel Berry is back. I'm thankful that he is there to help UNC navigate their early season schedule with true road games and honest tests at home. Thank you, UNC. Thank you, Joel Berry. Thank you, UNC medical staff.
0: Yeah, you know, I've been a little down in North Carolina, but I've watched in the last couple of games, boy, their secondary break is cooking. Joel Berry yeah, got back. Uh-huh. Yeah, really, really cooking. They are moving it. They were they pounded Stanford. I was watching that game. It was never close. So yeah, that's a really good one as well. I am thankful, Gus, for Charles Matthews of Michigan Ooh. because I am determined that this Michigan team is going to be heard from. Yes. I, guys, I have no... I don't. I'm not getting paid by Michigan. I did not graduate from Michigan. I guess I like
1: that. That, that, That's that's a good. That's a great point by you because some people might think like, "Is is he? Is he Michigan?" I I liked. I liked the uh, the uh,
0: the Fab Five rather. I did like that. Us when we were younger, but. I just think this team is being underrated. I understand that Michigan State and Purdue and Minnesota, uh, Northwestern, even though they've been struggling, a lot of those teams in the Big Ten are getting a lot more credit. I I think this team is going to be dangerous. Mo Wagner, Duncan Robinson can make shots. Abdul Rahman. Matthews has been incredible. Put up 28 against LSU and what was a phenomenal game last night, Kearns, before Tremont Waters made that no-look pass there to seal it for LSU. It was a great game out in Maui, so I'm very thankful. Simmons hasn't even gotten started yet. Pool of course, there's a lot of good things. I have a feeling Michigan's going to be heard from, I believe, in John Beeline. So I am thankful that Charles Matthews decided to transfer from Kentucky to Michigan.
1: Smart move on his part. He just went to a very offensive-friendly system, and he is reaping the benefits of that offensive-friendly system. You know what I'm thankful for, Mike? I am thankful for teams like Vermont, Nevada. Good one. Good one. Middle Tennessee State, You mentioned UT Arlington already keeping big teams honest. I am thankful that these mid majors are not just rolling over and they go into these matchups, whether it be against Kentucky or Rhode Island or uh, Alabama or, or um, a Florida Gulf coast or whoever, whoever they might be matched up with in that particular night. I'm thankful that they go into those matchups viewing it as a, It's an option to win. It's a possibility to win. In fact, I'm going to game plan to win this game. I love that those teams go into those matchups and keep all these blue bloods honest and keep people like you and me and all of our listeners out there guessing and keep college basketball entertaining. These teams are not going to be ranked in the top 25. Nevada aside, maybe. These teams are, are... are, are, are not going to, you know, be a, a single-digit seed. Nevada aside, maybe. But you know what they're going to do? They're going to surprise us. They're going to, they're going to entertain us. How great was that Vermont Kentucky game? That went down to a final three-point out-of-bounds shot play. Yep. yep. And 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 who thought that? Who thought that could happen? So I'm thankful for teams like that keeping the blue bloods and the power five, power six teams honest, whether it be on the road in a tournament or on their home floor.
0: I am thankful that this FBI investigation has slowly started to go away, and that players like Colin Sexton are back on the floor, that we're getting to see some of these great players come back. John Petty had the 10 threes the other night. I am thankful that we've finally been able to put this behind us We have Richard Pitino doing a great job in Minnesota. That team is very live, as you like to say. So we're starting to forget about Rick. Now we're moving on to Richard, and I think that's better. So I am very happy for that. USC looks strong, even though Melton isn't playing. So they still look like it's a good team. It's not like the team changed dramatically because Melton is not on it. So I'm glad that the FBI is over. We can start talking about Gus' actual college hoops.
1: I like the period that we're in right now too, as far as that FBI investigation is, is concerned. But I also think that that can pop up at any time. So I'm thankful for like the dead period of it. I'm I'm thankful for the silence of it right now. Yeah, for
0: the respite, sure.
1: Yeah, of course. You know what I'm thankful for? I'm thankful, so thankful. And my notebook is thankful for players like Don Coleman, California. Don Coleman. Oh, geez. Jordan Murphy. Minnesota Chima monkey UNC Davis all of those guys averaging almost 25 points a game or more did anybody predict that coming into the season no did anybody think that any of those guys were going to be among the the nation's leaders in, in in points scored no you know what I'm thankful for I'm thankful for that those guys got in the gym listened to their coaches worked hard and that simple hard work made them better That's what I'm thankful for. It is – I am so thankful that college athletics in general – this is not a college basketball thing. This is a college athletics situation where if you have good coaching, you have unbelievable facilities where you can get your work done and, and, and you are committed to your craft, that you can go in and get better and make a giant jump in one year. I am so thankful for those guys putting their work in. And having the results of that work pay off this season for those players. So I'm thankful for hard work and players blowing up season after season.
0: And my last one that I'm thankful for is your notebook, Gus. Because it, it, pull, pull back the curtain here. Gus and I love the sport. Gus has notes on every player. If you're listening to this right now and you're a player, Gus has notes on you. But what I really love is the fact that we love to put lines out. And of course, we all know that Vegas knows is the old adage, right? Make so sense. Gus texts me, uh, "I'm going out tonight," and he says, "Hey man, I, you know I think I got a line here." And he goes, "But it, it just doesn't seem to line up for me. Like I I don't understand why this line is there." So I feel like Vegas is is begging me to go the opposite. Alabama favored tonight by eleven and a half over UT Arlington, and of course Gus and I and anybody who listens to this podcast knows that UT Arlington's a real deal. I mean the one in St. Mary's last year, Kevin Hurry, Neil, the whole thing. And he's like, it's just so weird that they would give UT Arlington 11 points that I think it's begging me to take Alabama. So I have to inform Gus, much like Yoda or, or Michael Jackson or Michael Jordan, right? Gus, the average better doesn't know where Texas Arlington is, okay? Right, so the right. average better is going to look at this line and go, Alabama's ranked petty, 10 threes, Colin Sexton, they got some good guys, right? UT Arlington, they're probably terrible. They, Gus is analyzing the lines based on his notebook. If that's the case, then Michael Jordan would analyze anyone who's a bad basketball player who cannot take off from the foul line and dunk, okay? So I had to say to Gus, no, no, that line is odd and it is a fishy line. It's a fishy line that it's, uh, that it's only uh, – it's a fishy line that it is uh, – that they're only giving 11 so we should grab UT Arlington. Gus, of course, pointed out to me, and Gus, unfortunately, they list lost by one. Alabama beat UT Arlington by oh. one, but they more than covered. So, oh, again, I mean, they
1: more than covered. You knew that was going to happen. Oh, I'm man. glad for they, your. They notebook, are so friend. live. You do not want to see them on the other end of your bracket. If you if if they get into March, oh my goodness, they they like they're dangerous. Uh, you, you mentioned Herbie. You mentioned Neil. Like they have bigs that run up and down the floor and play hard. They have guys that defend like they they are not just a one trick pony. They are legit,
0: man. Yeah, Sexton had 29. The other one that Gus and I talked about which was hilarious, we pointed it out a week earlier and we forgot to put it out somehow is certainly UCLA has struggled. We talked about that with uh, with Jeff Eisenberg of you know, of course of Yahoo. And they're playing Creighton, and I just forgot to look for it, but Creighton was favored in that game by four points. Again, your average person's going to say, wait a minute, UCLA, they had the Ball Brothers, right, or something? Like, they're good, and it's UCLA, like, they're a really good school. John Wooden, right? And Creighton, Creighton stinks, they're not good, it's Creighton. Creighton was favored by four. So the average person goes, oh, this is easy, man, I'll take UCLA,
1: no way. Not only that, creating uh,
0: covers and they win. And that's the sort of stuff, Gus, that comes out of your notebook. So I'm very
1: thankful. I, I love that. love that the notebook's getting some props. I, I, I'm thankful for for the, uh, the the respect that the notebook's getting. You know what? I just want to say I, I'm thankful for two more things. I'll take two more if that's okay. Uh, number one, so thankful that players like Miles Bridges, Grayson Allen, Mike Dom, Lonzo Trier, Trayvon Blewett, came back. I love that they're back in our sport this year. Here's why I love that they're back in our sport this year. They keep our attention with familiar names, and along with those familiar names, they are putting up giant numbers and making a giant impact. So thank you, thank you, players, for coming back. And this this circles right back around to our Michael Porter Jr. conversation. If he does this, we will be thankful for him next year on the Thanksgiving podcast for him coming back as well and and, and providing like that that name recognition that. Gives uh, the the common fan to uh, the common sports fan like attention to our sport. So so thank you, Grace and Alan. Thank you, Miles Bridges. Thank you, Mike Dom. Thank you, Alonzo Trier. Thank you, Trayvon Blewitt. Thank you for coming back and being the great players that you are, and thank you for being great student athletes and representing your universities in the best possible way. And you know what else I'm thankful for too, Mike? I'm, I'm thankful for Bell Jar. Thank you for uh, they take oh, us in and one. out of a very good one. Our podcast for over 100 podcasts. Thank you, Bell Jar, for the musical accompaniment. Thank you.
0: All right, Gus. So we'll do a little preview here before we uh, before we move on. I think there's the PK-80, and I think we're going to do some talking about it, man. Let's take a look at some of these games.
1: little PK-80. I
0: like it. All right. So we got our two brackets, and I remember there was two winners, right? We talked to Steve Mims uh, out in uh, Oregon, and he told us there's going to be two winners there. We got the victory bracket, and we got the motion bracket. Let's start with a little victory bracket, Gus. First game we got... We're going to have Portland and UNC. So talk Hmm. to me about that. Joel Berry, he is healthy. He seems like he's back a little bit. You expect him to explode or still be a little hampered by the video game broken hand?
1: (laughs) Well, I think after the game against Stanford uh, and him putting up 29, I don't think he's going to be hampered as much. I I, I think he's going to play. I think he's going to be healthy. I think he'll be live. I think this is going to be a great stage for him to play. I, I, I think we also have to pay attention to Luke May, the March hero. Uh, will he pl- continue to play like an all-ACC C- all player? Like, no joke. He could be all-ACC. Um, we're not exaggerating here. We're not, like, reaching. He's playing that well in the post and in uh, the mid-game and shooting his threes really well. And, of course, I think the player we do need to pay attention to as far as injury is Cam Johnson. Is he going to work his way back into the rotation? Is he going to find some floor time? Um, if healthy, can he shoot it that 40% from three? I don't know. We'll see. I mean, maybe he'll find his way back. Let's not ignore Portland in this. Let's give Josh McSwiggin a little love, right? Let's give uh, the six-seven soph who's shooting at over forty-two percent from three a little love. So, if you're going to pay attention to one player on Portland, like let, let let let's take a look at McSwiggin. I think he's going to match up actually decently with May. That might actually be a matchup to watch. It'd be silly for us to predict like a Portland upset here because UNC absolutely spanks Stanford on the road in a true road game. So. Is Portland going to be live? Will they play well? Are they going to have like a hometown feel and a hometown crowd there? Yeah, absolutely. But... Is UNC in any danger in this particular game? No, I, I don't think
0: so. Well, it's interesting. UNC's taking some shots here. They took the shot with Yo- with Joel Berry. Now they lose Cam Johnson four to six weeks to a meniscus injury. But I'll tell you, they're on a free roll, Gus. If they play well here, mm-hmm. they make some noise, they win a couple games, this is going to be a dangerous team because they're doing it without their two, arguably, best players or at least best scorers, right? I wouldn't say Luke Mays is a better scorer than Cam Johnson. So... I think UNC's on a free roll. I'm with you. I think they'd be Portland, but I think they're a huge team to watch because the better they play without Cam Johnson and with Joel Berry getting back into the swing, the better they'll be. This is real interesting. We're going to take a look at this. Let's see what it's like.
1: Very quickly on that, I think uh, Roy Williams is totally earning his money this year trying to figure out this what holes he's going to plug with his injuries. So, I mean, we may say like, oh, it's just old Roy doing his thing and throwing the ball out there. No, Roy does a good job figuring this stuff out totally underrated overall as like a manager of people like he does a great job managing his people he may not be like the most efficient x and o guy but he really takes care of his people and figures his people out and he's going to do the exact same here thing here that he did he did with uh, Joel Berry and with Camp Johnson Arkansas and Oklahoma this is like legit this is like a legit matchup your guy Trey Young is putting up just sick numbers at this point over 18 points a game over 11 assists a game are you just kidding me are you out of control Trey young you could argue he's the best freshman in the nation it's not crazy to hold that argument he's playing out of his mind really well I mean would the shooting numbers like to be maybe a little bit more efficient of course they would uh, no, no doubt and how about how about Brady maniac uh, another he's another frosh 6 eight. He's putting up over 13 points a game and shooting over 60% from three. So he's the uh, beneficiary of some of these Trey Young assists, for sure, on Oklahoma. Jalen Bradford on Arkansas, they have like this really athletic backcourt of Bradford and Macon. Bradford's averaging over 20 points five rebounds and four assists. Those numbers are like very elite numbers. He's shooting over 50% from the field. Uh, Daryl Macon is at 16 points a game over four assists a game. He's shooting over 50% from the field. So like is Oklahoma going to be able to defend well enough to keep these Arkansas guards off the boards? I don't know. I'm going to go with the old guard here. I'm going to go with the Mike Randall. Give me the veterans here. I'm going to go with Arkansas in this game, even though Trey Young is playing a little bit out of his head.
0: I'm with you on the old guard. Macon, Bradford are legit. Trey Young is doing Stephen Curry imitations with his with his dribbling, with his one-on-one moves, and Kruger's giving him a long leash. It's pretty much him and Kadeem Latin, and in that case, I am going to go with the veterans. I agree. I think this is a fun game. I think it's yeah, exciting, exciting to watch. It's going to be a good one. Yeah, I'll go with you. I will go with Arkansas, but boy, I think Trey Young's going to be a lot of fun. I, I really he, is,
1: he is a lot of fun right now. I mean, it, look, if you happen to stumble on this game, watch. It is a watch game. Because, again, like we said, those, those Arkansas guards are super athletic, and Trey Young is just plain old fun. Uh, how about you, UConn and Oregon? We got uh, Jalen Adams, one of my faves. Do you think he's going to use his PK-80 stage as like, his jumping off point for the, for the, for the season? Oh, man. Uh, just keep the scooters out of his range, and I think we'll be okay. Antoine Anderson, the transfer from Fordham from UConn, is playing important minutes. He's going to join Adams and Gilbert in the backcourt. They might run a whole bunch of three-guard alignment there. So I think Anderson is another guy to pay attention to for UConn. And Oregon, listen to this. They have eight players averaging over eight and a half points a game. Talk about balance. Your guy, Troy Brown, is leading the team in scoring in just 26 minutes a game. P.S. We still love Peyton Pritchard. We just love the matchup that he's going to— Have with Jalen Adams and the rest of the UConn's backcourt. So I think that matchup is worth watching, having Peyton Pritchard run the team versus that veteran UConn backcourt. Mike, which way are you leaning here for UConn and and, and the Ducks?
0: Got to go with the home team here. Dane Altman's doing a great job getting everybody back. He's got a 600th win, career win the other day. I like Connecticut. This is a good battle. On a neutral court, I think this would be tricky. The rear is averaging 16.7. Jalen Adams, like we said, is going to have a real big game. They got four guys in doubles. Antoine Anderson's yep. 11 points. Vital's thir- uh, 13. But Vital's pl- playing pretty well. But playing in Oregon, I think it's going to be very difficult. And Troy Brown has been on fire and hot, and they're doing a good job. Great game. Another fantastic early-round battle. I'm going to lean Oregon just because they're home.
1: I would lean Oregon, too, although I think Oregon is still working out their rotations and their ball-handling responsibilities and just – overall uh, definition of positions and assignments. Um, I think Altman is really earning his money this early part of the season, trying to figure that part out with all of these new moving parts. But thankfully, he has Pritchard. So I'm leaning on Pritchard here, and I think Pritchard is going to be the defining factor in this game, and I'll take Oregon as well. And, of course, we have Michigan State and DePaul. By the way, Max Struss is a player from DePaul. Yeah. 6'6 swim. Yep. He leads the team in scoring like almost 15 points a game. That guy can play. I, I You know, I don't know if you watched it. I watched a little bit DePaul earlier. That dude is not afraid to put up shots. He is not afraid to battle down low. He's not afraid to bring into the lane and absorb contact. Pretty impressed. Eli Kane, Eli Kane, of course, is DePaul's difference maker. Kind of waiting for him to go off. So I think Spartans beware of Eli Kane. He he might be one of those guys that's very flammable. Miles Bridges you've got to keep an eye on the injury, of course. I think that's like yeah, that's, I don't you know, think
0: I don't think he's going to point number one. Yeah, I don't think he's going to play, Gus. I, I I don't think he's going to play. I think he's going to be hampered. I think they want to be careful with this one. You don't want to rush it. This is the one thing that could wreck the season. You don't want anything that's going to wreck the season here. Why not give Jackson a chance to get better? Nick Ward hold the fort inside. Winston and Langford got to step up. I think they're yep. gonna, I think they're going to hold him at least this game, if not more.
1: Mm, interesting and you know what why not just go back to the first game that we talked about and go back to the unc blueprint where what are they going to do without joel berry what are they going to do without Cam johnson let's see what iso decides to do without miles bridges i think it's an interesting conundrum to watch to see how that's going to unfold and get solved yeah and, and why not give nick ward more touches down the post why not give jaron jackson more minutes as long as he doesn't foul so i think the pick here is easy i think it's michigan state but i bet DePaul paul is live that first half what do you think
0: yeah, they'll be tough without Bridges because you can't lose the potential player of the year and and, and really move forward pretty easily. So, I, I, of course, I'll, pitch, I'll pick Michigan State. I don't think DePaul is there, especially on a neutral court. I think your neutral court, your, your better talent is usually going to shine through unless you have like a veteran team, you know, like Nevada on a neutral court, I think would be very sure. frisky with the transfers and everything like that. Right. Uh, but, yeah, I like, I like Michigan State. So go through it, Gus. So let's just take right through it. So Portland, North Carolina, who you got?
1: uh north carolina of course all right
0: arkansas oklahoma you said
1: yeah we said arkansas
0: so north carolina plays arkansas
1: you know what it's a beautiful matchup of previous uh, march madness i think that unc gets it figured out and takes them again although i mean arkansas gave them everything they can handle in that 1-8 matchup previously so i wouldn't be surprised if arkansas plays them tough but give me unc then yukon oregon leaning towards oregon leaning heavily on peyton pritchard Oregon, Michigan State, because they said Michigan State right over the top. Absolutely, yeah. yeah, And I think we have to go Michigan State. And you know what I'm looking forward to here? I'm looking forward to Michigan State's backcourt really stepping up. I really like to see Langford and Winston play well in the same game at the same time. I feel like they're kind of like, I don't know, like a WWE tag team. Like one of them plays well one game, and then the other one plays well the other game. It's very rare that they have great games together. Maybe this tournament minus Bridges – for a game or two might be the opportunity where they can work out in concert and try to have that uh, game that marries their combined efforts together.
0: So Gus, then you have Michigan State and UNC, correct? In the finals, who do you got?
1: Yeah, you know what, I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna lean Michigan State here, whether they have bridges or not. I think it'll be a nice up and down game. I think that game is goes into the 80s, maybe even the 90s. And I think it'll be an entertaining game to watch for all of the listeners and all the fans out there. But I'm going to say, why not give me Michigan State with a slight edge due to their balance and their bench?
0: I'll go UNC over Portland, Arkansas over Oklahoma. I will take Oregon over UConn and Michigan State over DePaul. I will, right. I will then take Arkansas over North Carolina. I just think with the injuries right now, that is not the type of team that you want to Ooh, mess okay. with, an athletic team. It sure. is very difficult for me to see a Joel Berry, Rusty, no Cam Johnson team beating Arkansas right now early in the season. Later in the season, different story. Right sure. now, I will take Arkansas like to, that. Advance, like that. Saucy. to advance to the to the finals of the victory bracket they will play Michigan State. I think Bridges will come back for the Sunday game. That would be Sunday at 5.30 p.m. on November 26th. And okay. I think Michigan State does take it over Arkansas. I think the toughest game for Michigan State is not Arkansas. I think it's the Oregon game. I think playing Oregon oh, there is going to be difficult, and I don't think they'll have Bridges, but I think they'll be able to get through it. So I'll take Michigan State over Arkansas.
1: Um, it, you know, the one. if we're going to pick out one player in this whole entire bracket to pay attention to, totally intrigued by troy brown from uh from oregon i want to see what he can do I, I i haven't had my eyes on him a ton you know we, we we've attempted basketball narcolepsy many times uh so i want to have the opportunity to view him against high level competition i want to check him out
0: and go down the motion bracket uh first one i think is a little <laughs>
1: straightforward duke and Portland yeah, I State. Think so. Listen, we don't want to ignore Portland State, so we want to give you know uh, Bryce Kanata uh, the 6'4 guard. He's averaging like 18 points a game with almost eight rebounds and four steals a game. That's a little crazy. Beware. There's a thief back there for Portland. Uh, Deontay North, another 6'4 guard. He's averaging like 16 points a game. Very underrated talent here for the Vikings. However, they are playing the number one team in the country. Marvin the III is back two games back seem to be okay for him. He had 19 and 24. He seems just fine. Grayson Allen is currently holding down the shooters holy grail. You ready for these numbers? 50 plus 50% from the field field goal percentage plus plus 50% from three point plus 90% from the line. Okay, there you go. There are the numbers that we need to place him in the player of the conversation. Done. It's there. He's in the conversation now. Welcome, Grayson Allen. Mike, uh, very simply with Marvin Bagley and Grayson and Allen, your pick here is?
0: My pick is Duke. Moving on. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Next game up, uh, Butler and Texas. Intriguing. Butler, Laval Jordan. Okay, First <laughs> year. They got Keelan Martin. They got Kamar Baldwin there, but they're playing a Texas team. They got to win this year. Texas got a lot of expectations this year. Mo Bamba has done Mo Bamba like things. Who do you like here, Gus? Butler, Texas.
1: Oh, uh, you know what? I'm gonna say, give me Butler. And here's why: I think that Butler. Uh, I think that Butler's backcourt, namely Baldwin. I think I'm gonna say this out loud so everybody can hear it. He is the Jalen Brunson of Butler. He has uh, he does everything that you could ask for from your guard, your lead guard. He's not necessarily a point guard. He's not necessarily an off guard. He's just your lead guard. Plus, he has over two, two steals a game. I think he outplays Andrew Jones and the Texas backcourt. And I think Butler pl- w- moves on in a very competitive game.
0: I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to take Texas. I, I don't see Butler going on the road to PK-80. Keelan Martin, Kamar Baldwin, are they ready to lead Butler to do Butler like things like they have in the past? I think Shaka is going to have this team ready. It's a neutral court. They're going to have them running. Bomba's going to be an issue inside. I think Andrew Jones is very steady. I agree with you. Only 22 minutes a game. I'm going to go the other way and I will take Texas.
1: By the way, Bomba's averaging over four and a half blocks a game. Boy, Shaka must have <laughs> loved when
0: he signed. Oh my goodness.
1: He's insane, man. Oh my goodness. You know, that if nothing else, Watch that game for him. He's an unbelievably unique talent. He is a top three slash top five NBA draft pick waiting to happen. How about Florida and Stanford? have you seen have you seen Florida play? Just have you seen them Not play on
0: No, just the highlights.
1: Oh, just they are all jacked. Props to the Gator strength coach. Whatever they did in the offseason, all of those guys are unbelievably fit in, in this shape of their lives. The Gators are not going to get pushed around, and they are not going to be winded. Um, the two transfers to pay attention to here for Florida are uh, uh, Igor Kolachev from Rice and Jalen Hudson from Virginia Tech. Um, Kolachev is, is 20 points a game. Hudson is 18 points a game. It's not the script that anybody predicted, maybe except for like Eric Fawcett when we talked to him. Um, we thought that maybe like Kevon Allen would, would be leading them in scoring, something along those lines. Uh, Reed Travis. For Stanford is, is is putting up big numbers just like we predicted. We you know, we thought that he would be one of those impact players in the Pac 12. He's averaging twenty-one points a game, much better passing numbers this year from him. Um, he's his passing out of the post is much more efficient. Uh, he's averaging over two and a half assists. And Michael Humphreys, the big man, is averaging a double double, 12 points, 12 boards. He's he is an issue, and he even hits a couple threes and he hits his free throws. You love when a big can shoot it from deep. Humphrey can do that. Mike, this is an interesting game. What do you think about Florida and Stanford?
0: I feel pretty confident on this one. This is the one that I'm I'm locked into the most. I don't like what I've seen from Stanford this year. I think think they're a little soft. I think Travis is good. I think he's a good player. They got pushed around a little bit. Eastern Washington lost at home. That was a true home loss. It was horrific. UNC, they were never close. Florida is a top team, I think. I think they're a a floor of a top 15 team, a ceiling of a top five team. I -hmm. like Florida. They're clicking. They got everything going. Chioza, Allen, the whole thing. Kolachev's on fire. I like Florida in this game. I don't like Stanford. I I don't like what I've seen from Stanford. So to me, this is an easy one. My easiest one so far besides the obvious ones, uh, Florida.
1: Yeah, I'm kind of with you there. I'm going to lean Florida as well. And I think that if Florida can just get their defensive knuckles into Stanford a little bit, I think Stanford's going to crunch. So give me Florida as well. Let me ask you this one for the last yeah. game.
0: All right. <laughs> now, I, <laughs> I, I love where this is going. Okay. Let's go. Now, I know I'm a little late to the party. Okay. They say if you didn't go to the wedding, don't go to the funeral. Okay. Sure. Another analogy that makes no sense that I'd love to throw what, into what the are you podcast. Talking right? about? Uh, who knows? Nobody knows. Gus, on what planet is the first year Chris Holtman going to lead the Ohio State Buckeyes into the West Coast PK-80 against the Gonzaga Bulldogs off their national championship game run with Mark Few fly fishing at Alpha Undefeated Pi last year and beat them? On what basis? Go ahead. Give me Keita Bates-Diop. Okay. Give me Deshaun Tate. I know you're picking Gonzaga. I'm picking Gonzaga. So don't give me this BS here on how you're possibly going to make an argument because I don't see it. No chance this is happening. Am I nuts? Uh, well, welcome aboard, young man. Thank you. <laughs> welcome aboard, my, my ticket man. was my, my ticket was four times the amount yours was, but go ahead. Yes. <laughs> Listen, We're so happy to have you aboard the Gonzaga
1: bandwagon. to
0: Bates-Diop, come on. Rory Hashimura takes four steps and he dunks. Oh,
1: come on. By the way, I love that you're referencing Rory Hashimura. That's fantastic. (laughs) Listen, I'm not going to try to sell you anything. I'm just going to tell you that Hope is going to do a good job down the road. Right now, it's going to be tough. You mentioned Bates-Diop. He's a 2010 guy right now. He's shooting at 45 for three. Love, he, he love Jason Tate. He's, he's, he's like the undersized four that everybody loves, along with Troy Brown of Oregon. I think the guy that you want to pay attention to here is Jakob Larson. If that guy can stay on the floor and stay out of foul trouble for Gonzaga, I'm not calling him Shemek Karnowski. We reserve that for a very select few. We are not going to compare him to Shemek Karnowski. You know, Big Shem was the man, he was a huge difference maker. Obviously, one of the major factors why they made that championship game run. But Larson, he's next in the line of the Gonzaga Bigs here. Another guy to pay attention to is Corey Kaspert, 6'6", redshirt frosh. He's athletic. He's way more athletic than you think. He competes on both ends of the floor. The Zags have seven players that are averaging 9.7 points per game or more. Pick your poison with them. There's no way that Gonzaga's not winning this game.
0: When Mark Twain was going around London in 1897. Somebody started a rumor that he was gravely ill, and he then started his speech as he was going around speaking with the quote, The reports of my death are greatly exaggerated. Mark Few is Mark Twain. The reports of Gonzaga's death are greatly exaggerated. Ohio State, enjoy the loser bracket. Of the motion bracket. Okay, please.
1: <laughs> uh, all right, so let's move forward. So you, you had uh, Duke and Texas. I did. Okay, moving on. So who do you like in the Duke and Texas matchup uh, to get to the championship game in the motion bracket? I had Bombas Frisky for about
0: 12 minutes. Give me Duke, yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, then, listen, this is a this is a, a rematch of an early season matchup last season that went down to the wire for Gonzaga and Florida. Who do you like in the Gonzaga-Florida matchup? This is really intriguing because it does rematch uh, these two teams that played unbelievably live last year during the pre-conference season.
0: You know, if this game was played in a few more weeks, i mm-hmm. probably lean Gonzaga. Sure. I think the talent gap is great. And I don't think uh, Samuel Clemens over there on the bench for Gonzaga has had a chance to mesh everything together. He can beat Ohio State with that. But I think it would be difficult to beat Florida. They'll have fans at this game. They will travel also. I'm going to lean in a fantastic basketball game that is a must-watch on Friday at either 6 or 8. We don't know yet. Right, I would take Florida, but it is close, man. I, you, If you go Gonzaga, I have no problem with that. I will flip a coin and go Florida, yes.
1: Okay, so then that brings us to another great matchup, and this is one of the matchups that you referenced on a couple of podcasts last season where Florida played Duke, and Mike White came out and said, we're not very good, and here's why we're not very good on, on national TV when they lost to Duke. So in this matchup of Florida and Duke, anything going to change?
0: No. I, it's not. I, I think Duke is gonna take it. They're just more ready right now. Mm. No Ubuntu yet. The Boone's only played one game. He's had one minute. I, I mean he hasn't right. really come around yet. So unless they're I don't see how Duke is losing without a full strength Florida. And they're right. just like I said, similar to Gonzaga, they're not ready. So give me Duke. I, I think that, that that is that's a reasonable battle. Let me flip it to you, man. Yeah. Uh, Duke Portland State. I mean,
1: can we just move on?
0: Yes, let's okay. move on, please. Texas Butler.
1: Oh no, I, I think let's g- give me Butler in a in a slight upset. Sure,
0: okay. Then Duke Butler.
1: Uh, yeah. I look. I I think, I think Jordan's going to have a number. Coach Jordan's going to have a number of opportunities this season to kind of go ahead and stamp himself as like the next Butler coach. That's going to be great. This is going to be one of those opportunities, but he's not going to take advantage here. Give me Duke.
0: Bottom of the motion bracket. Florida Stanford.
1: I like Florida too. I think Florida is a little bit more athletic, and I think that Florida takes as good care of the ball as Stanford does. I think it'll be a low turnover game. Give me Florida by about three or four.
0: Only way Gus the, uh, that Stanford wins that game is if Reed Travis has thirty or more. That's just my opinion. I totally agree. He's, he's got a panic. Yeah, he's got to go off. Yeah, he's got to have a game. Ano Gonzaga. I mean, all
1: right. oh Gonzaga. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: All right, Gonzaga, Florida.
1: You know what? You mentioned that Gonzaga might not be able to figure it out. Guess what? Florida's got to figure it out too. They have a lot of new moving parts as well. That's fair. That's fair. So I don't see how that is. I think that's pretty even on both sides. And you know what I'm going to say? I think the backcourt matchup here is pretty interesting with Perkins and Melson and Chioza and Allen. I'm going to lean towards the backcourt that went off. And you remember Perkins went off in the championship game last year for over uh, for 12 points in the first half. So give me Perkins with a big game here and Gonzaga moving on.
0: And then Gonzaga and Duke.
1: Yeah, you know what? I think this game is going to be closer than you think. I think coach K is going to sweat it for the first time this season. And I think with 2 minutes to go, he's going to be scrambling. I think the bigs are going to match up evenly. I don't think that I don't think that Gonzaga is going to be scared to play Duke. I don't think they're going to be intimidated by Bagley. I don't think they're going to get pushed around at all. In fact, I think it might go the other way. Give me Duke in a close game, two or three point game. Duke outlasts Gonzaga. Gonzaga fights valiantly and Gonzaga uses as a rallying point for the rest of the season.
0: Gus, if that happens, St. Mary's is going to be crying because they're not winning the conference. If, if Gonzaga, early in this year, with their whole, not a lot of guys back, Jonathan Williams finding his way as the leader, the whole thing, if they come close to beating Duke, St. Mary's in a lot of trouble. Hackman, you better start lifting some weights, my man, because that's the case. <laughs> I don't think they're going to stop Marvin Bagley and stick it to Grayson Allen and Wendell Carter, then Hackman ain't going to scare anyone. So if that's the case and that happens, I will give you the credit, and I'll be giving a call to Hackman. <laughs> Uh, so I love that he's going to start lifting some weights. One more oh. thing here, folks. Gus does not know this is coming. This is very oh. exciting. I thought okay. of this on my own and I Googled it. And I have to give credit to Bill Simmons, who has already done something like this on one of his podcasts this week. But I just thought of this on my own. Gus, I got 16 Thanksgiving sides here and I okay. have a little bracket. And I'd sure. like you to give a breakdown on what your favorite sides are. Ready? It was a little quick breakdown. Only 16. Oh. It's only 16, okay. right? Yeah.
1: Shoot it! I'll go. I'll go rapid fire.
0: All right, mashed potatoes versus potatoes au gratin.
1: Uh, mashed potatoes every single time.
0: Okay, sweet potato pecan cassero- casserole versus sweet potatoes with marshmallows.
1: Uh, give me the sweet potatoes with casserole. Marshmallows are a little too sweet. I mean, that's isn't that. Save such, it for dessert.
0: It's such a five twelve matchup, isn't it? <laughs> Going down the bottom of the bracket, cornbread versus dinner rolls.
1: Cornbread every single time, every day of the week. Butternut squash versus corn. What is the corn in? Is it on the cob oh, or part separate? part of the
0: breakdown, Gus. Uh, you don't know what How? type of team you're getting there at that 215 game. Interesting.
1: Uh, if it's corn on the cob, give me corn on the cob. If it's corn off the cob, I'll go the other way. But so I'm going to say we'll corn, say, please.
0: We'll say cob. We'll, we'll go cob. Okay. On the other side of the bracket, Gus, mac and cheese versus green bean casserole.
1: Excellent matchup. Tremendous matchup. I'm gonna go mac and cheese simply because you could feed it to the kids as well. Wow, it's very resourceful.
0: Roast roasted mushrooms versus Brussels sprouts.
1: Uh, also, interesting matchup. I'm gonna to lean towards mushrooms. a little bit more diversity. you can do a little bit more with the mushroom than you can with the Brussels sprout.
0: Cranberry sauce versus gravy.
1: Uh, I'm going to go with the cranberry sauce. If for no other reason, you can get creative with it out of the can and be artistic with it and make it a nice centerpiece for the table.
0: Stuffing. So you can go turkey stuffing, sausage stuff, whatever stuffing you prefer versus the chinese style sticky rice
1: oh let's go stuffing please every single time
0: all right Gus. so let's go now we're down to your elite eight if you will mashed potatoes (laughs) versus sweet potato pecan casserole
1: oh no doubt mashed potatoes so much uh so much versatility for the mashed potato you can do a lot of different things with it dip things in it mashed potatoes
0: gus mashed potatoes in your final four you have cornbread versus corn on the cob
1: uh, corn bread, please. I think corn bread is one of the most underrated cakes of all time.
0: Mac and cheese versus the roasted mushrooms.
1: Uh, we're going to go mac and cheese due to the versatility among family members that can eat it.
0: And what can only be described as a heavyweight matchup cranberry sauce versus stuffing. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's a great match. <laughs> that is oh, your yeah. K- that, that's your Kentucky North Carolina game, by the way. I think it's well, in the same uh, bracket if you look at the actual bracket. Yeah, it's,
1: it's just a. Poor, poor seating. I think <laughs> that's the loaded. So bracket. I'm gonna go. I, I, I'm gonna lift the curtain here. I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go stuffing. Uh, simply because uh, when I was a little kid, my grandma had a specific recipe for the stuffing, and we laid out uh, loaves of bread downstairs in the basement, but only for a certain amount of time, and then we would chop them up into little like cubes. And then we put the use that as part of the stuffing, so I remember that fondly. So we're gonna go stuff.
0: Yes, and I remember your grandmother, lovely, lovely person. Gus, your final four. Mashed potatoes, cornbread, mac and cheese stuffing. Here we go. On the oh. the early game, the six eighteen game, Gus. Mashed potatoes versus cornbread. Wow, that's a great matchup. You know what? I'm going cornbread. He goes, ah, that's an upset. I did not think cornbread would win that. And then finally, Gus, on the other side, to get into the championship round here of your Thanksgiving, on the Gus Kearns Thanksgiving family, mac and cheese versus stuffing.
1: We're going to go mac and cheese.
0: And Gus, the championship Monday, Jim Nance is there, mac and cheese versus cornbread.
1: Uh, I'm going to say I can't believe that this got through, but I'm going to say cornbread, cornbread because you can have it at other holidays with other meals. There it is, folks. Gus Curran's Thanksgiving
0: cornbread over mac and cheese. I'd have to say cranberry sauce got a tough draw. I think- <laughs> I think cranberry sauce wants the Brussels sprouts draw, but you know, it's it again, that's from Bill Simmons. I don't want to plagiarize anything. Bill Simmons, house of carbs. He had the bracket there. I thought of doing it on my own, but I saw it up there. Thought I'd put it up my partner before we say goodbye. I want to say I am most thankful for you. I'm most thankful for your friendship. I'm most thankful for your, your, your partnership here on this podcast. It's a lot of fun and I can't wait to keep it going, man.
1: Uh, Listen, I'm very thankful for the listeners for carbon out time to tune in very thankful for the reviewers very thankful for everybody that's participating in the podcast and Mike unbelievably thankful that you helped lead the show here and are playing point guard for the screen the screener podcast. So uh, hey listeners out there, happy Thanksgiving and please enjoy time with your families, your crew and your and and your folks and and enjoy that catch up time that catch up time is, is so valuable. You get to rehash a couple of stories that you've been holding on to the whole entire year. So enjoy spilling those stories. But then also enjoy listening to some of those stories on the other end as well. Cheers, cilantro, gratulatia. Enjoy that time, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving.
0: Corn on the Cobb is very live in the West Bracket. Very live! It has to me <laughs> off the cob. <laughs>